This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome back into Through the Ringer. I am your host, Tate Frazier, and we got a great show for you today. We're talking NFL draft with our guy, Kevin Clark. Kevin Clark is from Slow News Day and is a guy that you've heard all over the ringer, and he's breaking down everything NFL draft related. We might even talk about Lamar Jackson. Who knows? It's an NFL-only show with our guy, Kevin Clark, coming up right now. All right, joining us now on Through the Ringer, he is one of my favorite people, and he is definitely your favorite person if you're an NFL fan because we had a crazy weekend. He has all the inside scoops. He has all the best takes in the business. He, of course, is the Ringer's very own Kevin Clark. Kevin Clark, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. What an intro. (laughs) I don't know. I like getting you fired up, KC. I mean, it's NFL draft weekend. You're at home right now. Uh, you're on dad duty, but I mean, we got to talk about the draft. So I, I'm taking you away from dad duty. Shout out to Teddy, but it, it's time. We got to talk about this. He's downstairs. He's in the baby Bjorn. He's ready to rock, man. He's good. He I love to draft. hear it. I love to hear it. And uh, speaking of loving the draft, I'm going to talk about a personal thing right now, Kevin Clark. I what's that? No, I don't know. Oh. I, I'm excited about this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I got to talk about a personal thing because I love the Carolina Panthers and I love their pick at number one, right? The talk of the town. He is Alabama's own Bryce Young. And uh, they're asking me here in the studio because I don't want to get into the particulars. We haven't seen him play yet. I'm trying to ride the wave of good PR. I like the locker room video with his parents, right? These are all good things that are happening in Panthers universe world. Um, but how high is the NFL ceiling is what they're asking me for someone like Bryce Young. What do you think, Kevin Clark? The ceiling is unlimited. The floor is the bigger question because he's mm. pretty small guy without some. I mean, he's got obviously his ability to create in the pocket is the reason he's one of the top quarter college quarterbacks we've seen over the past decade, right? Um, there's no questions there. Did he hold on to the ball a little too long in some spots? Sure, but it's nothing crazy. It's no, no red flag. But the guys who last at the NFL level who are that small, a guy like Kyler Murray who understands so well how to get out of pressure, get out of bounds, fall down. I'm like, you you saw his highlight reels, not only in his last year at Oklahoma, uh, Murray, but his his, his rookie year in the NFL. Like, he just wouldn't get hit. He would just bail. Um, Whereas you see some quarterbacks who want to create contact, somebody like Josh Allen who wants to take on uh, a linebacker in week three for no reason, just because he likes doing it. Um, Bryce, Bryce Young needs to be closer to the first group because he's really small and he's really thin. And and there are going to be natural durability questions, just like anybody um, who needed to put on weight to get into the combine. So I really like him. 
Um, I had a couple people on, I mean, in the scouting community, we've seen this and I had somebody on my show. So on Newsday on Monday morning, talk about this again, the comparison really is Steph Curry. When you look at sort of the, the throws he makes and how he's able to distribute and all that stuff. And, and it's funny because pretty much everybody, I think Daniel Jeremiah was the first person to make the Steph Curry comparison. Everybody since then has said, you know, I don't really like the Steph Curry comparison, but it actually fits. Like they don't mm. want to do the cross sport thing, but like it really kind of, of works. Um, I think Frank Reich is a really good quarterback coach. I think that he's going to understand what to do around Bryce Young, how to get that up to speed. Um, but, you know, Bryce Young played in some really big games, and in most of them, he thrived. I don't have any questions about that. Uh, Carolina, I'm sorry to say, Tate is not like a marquee market to where he's going to be on Sunday Night Football all the time. They're going to let him grow. They're going to let him have kind of a year to acclimate. There's not a ton of expectations, even though I do think like David Tepper has to hit on this pick because at some point, new ownership or at least relatively new ownership if you don't hit and you go through executives and you go through coaches and you stop and start so much at some point it's almost like the Cleveland Browns a little bit with with Jimmy Haslam where you're going to have to start overpaying everybody to come and you're going to have to give coaches uh you know two extra years on their deal GMs two extra years on their deal you know guys even below that scouts give them more money because you get a reputation in this league and mm. and so I think David Tepper like has more riding on this than you think, only because reputationally, if he does another stop and start in Carolina, that's pretty tough, man. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, where the head coach, you mentioned Frank Reich, he was in Indianapolis, and it felt like every year they were playing musical chairs with their quarterback, right? He's been looking for a quarterback from quite some time, and the last time he had one was probably Nick Foles with the Eagles, right, when they went to the Super Bowl, and he was, you know, coaching them. He's a backup. So, yeah. Right. And he was the backup. So that that's a whole other thing. Uh, you know, the big question or the big conversation point, like you said, with Bryce Young is the the slight frame. I saw Muggsy Bogue tweeted that, you know, Muggsy Bogue said that it was hard over height. So if you're one of those right. guys that, that buys into the Muggsy Bogues, uh, you know, approach to life, Bryce Young checks the box. Um, let's move on because then the big question comes, who won the draft, right? The Panthers think they won. They think they got their guy. David Tepper's happy. All the Panthers fans are celebrating. But who won the draft? Because uh, the Texans Texans might be in that conversation. They get a quarterback, C.J. Stroud, at number two. They ended up trading back and getting Will Anderson right at number three um, and packaging their 12th pick. Um, are there a team that a lot of people say may have won the draft? Who won the draft in your in your vantage point, uh, Kevin Clark? So there's two separate answers because who won the draft over the weekend? In my opinion, the best class was Indianapolis Colts. Ooh, that's but a good one. who bettered their franchise – more than anybody of the 32 franchises, it's the Arizona Cardinals because they're going to be bad next year. You know who else is going to be bad? The Houston Texans. Houston Texans traded their first-round pick to Arizona for that third pick, got them Will Anderson. I like Will Anderson. There's reports he was one of the hardest workers who's ever come through a Saban program. I love that, but he's not special in the Miles Garrett Bosa sense where he's just going to transform your defense. I, I personally don't don't think that. Um, so they get two of the best players in the draft in, in Stroud and Anderson, but Arizona trades out next year. You know, Drake may well, um, Love I assume him. you've known him. You've seen, he, he comes from a Carolina family. So I assume you've known him <laughs> since he was two years old. Yeah. Of course. Um, <laughs> and so I assume all Carolina families stick together. <laughs> and so I, I, Drake may Caleb Williams are going to be one, two next year. Marvin Harrison will be three. Um, a couple other guys, Brock Bowers will be in the top half of the draft. 
Um, there's a young man from Penn State who could have been a top 10 pick this year who rolled over another year. There's a lot of talent in the top 10 next year. And at this point, Arizona is probably going to have a good chance at not only the first pick, but maybe the second, maybe the fifth, maybe the seventh, whatever it is, to where they could take that pick and just either take great talent with it or keep spending it to get a ton of draft capital. Not only do they have two first-round picks next year, which will both be very high, I believe they also got an additional mid-round pick from the Texans for next year. Um, they have an additional mid-round pick from the Eagles next year. Uh, they did tamper with Jonathan Gannon, which was very strange, and so they, they had to do a pick swap in this, in this draft, um, but whatever. Uh, I really do think, I, I know it sounds crazy because I don't think highly of them as an organization. They're going through, if I'm not mistaken, two separate lawsuits at this point about kind of off-the-field issues. Uh, they're a bit of a mess as a franchise, but talent gets you through that. And if they're able to come out of this next year, with two of the top 10 players in a huge, huge draft, the kind of draft. I know everyone says we do this every year, but like we're doing it this year, which is everybody says the next draft is always better. Or we go, oh, the quarterbacks are always better next year. Like it is objectively true next year. Caleb Williams and Drake May are really freaking good. And you want to be in that draft and the Cardinals have maximized that opportunity. I like that, and I like that the Cardinals are going to be in the mix there. I did want to ask you, because one of the most surprising things going into the draft felt like there was a lot of momentum, and obviously we joked about Reddit, but Will Levis had a lot of momentum. It was He was the de facto, has to be the second quarterback off the board. Everyone had sort of determined that was going to be the case. Um, I saw our guy, you mentioned the Colts, Jim Ursay, put out to the world you know, some Will Levis commentary. He was almost crowdsourcing the pick there at number four. But then we get to the number two pick, and the Texans say, no, we like C.J. Stroud, who, you know, at the time going into the draft, it felt like he was, quote-unquote, falling down the board. So how do we get in a situation where the Texans say, hey, we like C.J. Stroud, and we're going to take him number two? Uh, It was the kind of situation where conventional wisdom from, like, September 2022 won out. Like, this happens (laughs) all the time in the NBA, I feel like, where it's like, all right, we know these guys are the best in the draft, and then we go through this process – and five guys on podcasts say, oh, actually, this guy's rising up boards, whatever. Oh, this this guy from, you know, this, this 6'11 guy from the Euro League is shooting up the boards. And then it all happens, and you're like, oh, cool. It was just the guys we thought like a month ago, right? Like We, that's, s- we that's, saw that's that with uh, Paolo Bancaro, right? Because Chet Holmgren and Paolo Bancaro were the obviously one-two guys, but then Jabari Smith Jr. Jabari Smith, up yeah, the yeah, boards, yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, Nobody maybe. even talked about Paolo. <laughs> right. And I was like, what the hell? And it's funny because uh, one of the things I did on my pod today, Monday, excuse me, was talk about how the high school to NFL pipeline is getting more direct in the same way that it does in basketball, which is you can look at the rivals or 24-7 recruiting rankings from two years ago, and you're going to see some really, really good NBA stars. And even guys who are second-round picks where it's like, oh, where'd this guy come from? Typically, they were at all the camps and had a high grade and were a great recruit. Like that's just how athleticism basketball works. And increasingly it's how athleticism football works. Point I'm making is that CJ Stroud and Bryce Young were two of the best quarterbacks coming out of high school. They played a huge program. They started as soon as there was an opening. There wasn't really uh, any debate about that. The coaches loved them. Did they struggle a little bit in some games their first, their first year uh, as starter? Sure. But they grew, they understood it. And so I, I, when you look at it and you say, okay, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud went, the only reason that became confused was because of sort of the draft industrial complex. And, oh, is it Levis? Is it Richardson? Like, 
I watched a lot of SEC football last year. Uh, it shouldn't have been a- Richardson. It should not have been Richardson. It shouldn't have been Levis. Uh, it should have been C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young going in those top two spots. Richardson's a project. Levis is what he is. I'm sure we can get to that. But uh, it, it, it logic won out. And and I think the Texans understood, and there were some rumors that they didn't want to go with 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 Stroud because he had the same agent as uh, as Deshaun Watson, and there were bridges burned and their ownership. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like I think all of that is just kind of galaxy brain over the the two months. I don't think anybody's hearing that from anybody. It's kind of there's a lot of tea tea leaf reading in in, in the <laughs> NFL draft because it's so hard. And the other thing is like about the information game. NFL front offices are huge, and you can talk to one scout who says, I love blank. It doesn't mean the GM loves blank or the owner loves blank. It just means that the area scout loves blank or we love this guy. Well, you don't really know unless you can literally see their draft board. And then you have to see what their draft board, how committed to the draft board they even are. Cause there are some people who just kind of freelance off of that. Anyway, point being is that I think this was the second best player in the draft being the second best player in the draft. And I, I think that any other conversation to the contrary uh, was uh, smoke screening and and confusion and galaxy braining. And like you said, there there are huge front offices, a lot of people, you know, making decisions. But at the end of the day, there is one person that makes a decision, and that is the owner. Um, and that is what it comes down to. And the owner that made a big decision at number four was Jim Ursay and the Indianapolis mm-hmm. Colts. And they say, hey, he may be a project, but we like what we're seeing, and we like the potential of this project. And they take Anthony Richardson at number four. Was that the most surprising pick of the first round? No, only because once he goes through the process in the combine and he runs that um, runs that forty, and you see the physical tools. Todd McShay said he was the best athlete quarterback he's ever seen. Uh, when you think about the size and the speed. Someone is going to take that chance. And I remember Quincy Avery, who's a, a, a private quarterback coach for a bunch of prospects. He had said at the end of last season, like, I don't know how the league can take Josh Allen in the first round and not take Anthony Richardson in the first round. And I really do see that that sort of comparison where you get him in an infrastructure, you get him coached up, uh, you get him making NFL throws and everything else is, is, is going to work itself out. I had a guest on Monday on some news day named Cooper Patagna, who's a former personnel guy for a bunch of college programs. And I was asking him kind of about what we were talking about here, but the, the athletes are coming into the NFL because he studied so many of them and scouted so many of them. And he said that the thing college is doing, and I think that the NFL team is doing this as well. Now they're missing smarter when they miss, mm-hmm. they know how to miss. And I want to miss with Anthony Richardson, who can still run, who can still get me um, a first down when I need it with his legs, who can still get me touchdowns, who can still get me deep passes when I need it. Like there, I, I would love that miss. If he busts, it ain't going to be a complete disaster. I promise you that um, because you, a, a smart coach is still going to be able to grind uh, a win here and there from just the game he has at his floor, at his baseline. Um, so that to me is the most interesting thing. It didn't surprise me. That draft, I mean, that was amazing. I think we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater a little bit with the Colts because of the Jeff Saturday stuff, because of how disastrous the last couple of years have been in Indianapolis. Chris Ballard had a had a draft a couple of years ago where he drafted two all pros in the, the first two rounds, um, in, in Leonard and Nelson. And we were talking then about him being the best GM in football. The stench has kind of gotten on him since. But he's still got the capability to get these elite draft classes. So even putting aside the quarterback, some of the guys he took, the athletes, uh, Julius Brent, Brent's from Kansas State, who I love, again, missing smarter. There's a baseline of athleticism where you can teach him to do something. Adebayor uh, from, from Northwestern, you can teach him to do something. I think that uh, I hate to say this. I hate to put this curse on Chris Ballard. But I think we see 
football in in a very similar way. Uh, and and that means I like the draft that they did, but it might mean he, you know, might mean he knows nothing about football if he sees the game like me. Well, and you're saying, I mean, Anthony Richardson, worst case scenario, right? He's like a Brad Smith type where he can, you know, be a former quarterback yep. and maybe be on special teams or maybe be in certain packages. But yep. at the end of the day, they hope he's a franchise player and a franchise quarterback at that. I, uh, he'll be he'll be a quarterback. It's just the case of whether or not, uh, you know, he, he develops into Josh Allen or he just is a guy who can just beat the hell out of you with the other things he can do other than <laughs> elite, elite arm talent. Right. And we're willing to try more things in the NFL more so than ever, it feels like. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. What was your favorite pick of the entire draft? Obviously, it was a long, you know, few days. A lot of guys that yeah. were thrown into that conversation. But what was your personal favorite pick, and why does the fit make sense to you? I think Nolan Smith uh, at thirty with the Eagles is going to end up being a special pick. I think that that teams tend to overthink themselves in that spot, um, and a guy the weight is a concern, but. I don't know. You just take a guy who's that fast, who has that kind of pedigree, who learned ball from Kirby Smart, and good things are going to happen. Um, I'm a big believer in getting getting the guys on the bus and then figuring out the rest later. You already had Jalen Carter. Uh, you know, this is something I, I, I've talked about for the past week. Jalen Carter is a character concern or whatever, red flag, off the field, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I, if any place is going to get him in an infrastructure and get him rowing in the right direction. It's going to be a team that's competing for a Super Bowl. Um, and that's Kansas city. That's Philadelphia. That's, you know, a handful of other places, but there aren't many. 
And if things are going to go south, they're going to go south in a place other than that because you're going to be such a weirdo if you're there trying to cause problems and Jason Kelsey's there and Fletcher Cox is there and Lane Johnson is there and Jalen Hurts is there and you're trying to be a diva, people are going to say, dude, what are you doing? Like nobody's paying attention to you. Like it's a lot easier to be uh, – I, I don't know if I can curse on here – a jerk, uh, you know, in, in, in some other places, in Arizona, in, you know, Vegas, whatever – it's easier to stand out in that locker room. It's going to be really hard for you to gain the voice you need in order to torpedo a locker room if you're Jalen Carter. Like, good luck, buddy. Like, even if Jalen Carter tried to be a distraction at locker room, I think it'd be actually quite hard um, because you got to, you know, you got to work to have a voice in that locker room. So um, the two Georgia guys in Philadelphia, I think that's so special. Again, Nolan, I, I'm not putting Nolan Smith in the red flag category. I'm just kind of speaking generally about, about their, about the Eagles draft philosophy with those Georgia guys, Kelly Ringo in that bucket as well. Um, they're drafting from the best defense in, you know, what, the last 15 years uh, in, at the college level. I'm sure Saban, there's some, there's some Saban defenses that disagree, but the George defense to me, Tate, is the defensive version of LSU with Joe Burrow on the offensive side of the ball. Where we're going to look back and go, they had how many NFL players? Jesus. And, and that's that's why I think you get them all on the bus. And I wanted to ask you about that because obviously the Eagles ended up trading up. They had the 10th pick, but they ended up trading up to the ninth pick. They take Jalen Carter. Then they take his teammate later on. And now we have a situation where Philly has just taken all the Georgia defensive players. And we, we love trends in the NFL draft, right? We mm -hmm. love things that kind of set precedent. Is this a precedent that has been set where uh, a franchise can decide, why don't I just take the whole front four of this championship <laughs> team? That They have some familiarity with each other. And, and let's see if we can run it back at the highest level. Is that something we may see again with with a team like Georgia with that kind of talent? With a team, you, you said something very important. With a team like Georgia, with a team <laughs> like Alabama, with a team right. like LSU. Um, I think in some, and I, I would, by the way, put Ohio State's receivers in that bucket as well. But that's it. I'm not trying to put together, I like Michigan. I'm not trying to put together any position group with Michigan. I'm not trying to take Mel Tucker's guys at Michigan State. Like PJ Fleck. Well, Love they're all you. in the portal right now, you, so you, it's, all, you it's can, okay. Well, the Mel Tucker guys are in the portal, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's very that's a very strange situation. Uh, good, you know, it's a good thing that the guy who behind that contract uh, isn't running one of the most important <laughs> NBA franchises right now, or else there'd be really bad news going on. Right, uh, and we, we'd have we'd have real disaster potential on our hands. Anyway, um, eh, the way recruiting works now is that really the concentration is five schools, and with the portal. And this is something that's incredibly important. Uh, one of my, my guests on Monday was talking about this, about how there were no G5 players in the first round. And there were, I believe, drafted 52 transfers. Okay? So if you're a Western Michigan stud, not to really harp it on the state of Michigan here, but if you're a Mac stud or you're a UTSA stud, there's a UTSA stud in the portal right now, those guys are going to, in their last year or last two years, or even if they pop as a freshman, they're going to go to LSU, Georgia, Alabama, maybe even a smaller school. We saw Osiris Torrance uh, at Florida get drafted. Good example of this. Um, they're going to go and they're going to show what they can do. I, I think the best example of this, Tate, is Jared Verse, who was a stud at Albany and not, a, not great competition, goes to Florida State, Looks like a borderline first-round pick, and he's coming back for another year, and he probably will be with the baseline of a performance, a top-ten pick next year. What would have happened 
if Khalil Mack at Buffalo was playing now? Would he have stayed at Buffalo? I don't know. Would he have gone to Penn State for his last year and sacked a bunch of Ohio State quarterbacks? Probably. Would he have gone to South Carolina, Ole Miss, these kings of the portal? Probably. And that's, I think, how you watch it. And so I don't think it's about, oh, we're taking two guys because they're friends. I think it's more about the concentration of power in college football and the fact that if you're Alabama and you wanted to, are you telling me Nick Saban couldn't look in the portal and say, all right, we, we recruited high school, great. We always do. But what we're also going to do is we're going to take the three best linemen in the transfer portal. We're going to do that. Like, imagine what he can do. Schools are starting to do that, and that's why I think you'll see. I think the Georgia thing is is a outlier because those are all high school recruits who all came in together and all dominated. But Georgia's going to utilize the portal. Um, they have her at the quarterback position, even though, you know, Stetson, Stetson Bennett beat them all out. Um, guys have portaled out of Georgia. I mean, look at the amount of guys who have – because of, of Tyreek Stevenson, Jermaine Johnson, like, they're legitimate – top two round picks who have transferred out of Georgia. So just remember that. Um, so I think it's really, it's going to be interesting to see how that works, where you just say, you know, LSU has the number one transfer portal class in the country right now. Are people just going to say, screw it. Brian Kelly did the work for me. He assembled this all-star team on defense. Let's draft three of them. Yeah. And we get to a point where we might have super teams in college football, where you build a super offense. Legitimately. Legitimately. And those guys come from smaller schools, but then for one year they're all together and then they all get drafted with each other. And it's a kind of it's a different situation yeah. than like what you said with Georgia, where these guys came in, grew together, were there together, and then they had their shine year three, year four, something like that. So yeah, just, and you don't even it'll be different. It, it, it's it's funny because you don't even think about the super teams point is a good one. First of all, enough about Miami, but second of <laughs> all, um, no, but it's like. Uh, right now, Miami is, is a good example. They got a four-star cornerback, and then the guy's brother uh, at UCF, who's a really good cornerback, was like, all right, we'll play together. And it's almost a little bit AAU-ish, frankly, where you're like, all right, hey, we got two years left in college. Let's just let's just play together. We've seen it a couple of times in the state of Florida. There are a couple of guys that transferred in between schools because they wanted to play with their buddy from high school. Um, there's one one kid in the portal right now whose brother is a five-star, and basically they're, they're going to be a package deal at some point. Um, and no, no names, uh, but it's just the, the rumor mill. And, and so you just, you're starting to see it. And it's, again, it's becoming way more basketball-ish than it used to. And frankly, frankly, Tate, not to harp on college football and this NFL draft recap, it's more compelling to me because we're getting these transactions on, I mean, yesterday was the deadline for the portal, but like we're getting these transactions on April 15th. It's not, I'm not a coach. It's not my problem to stay up at, at uh, awake at night worrying about these guys. I just want to see the, the transactions. That's great. It's funny to me that Michigan State's losing all of these guys. I don't know what the hell is going on, but it's not my problem. Right, exactly. We're all kind of just watching and observing because it's so new yeah. that we don't even know how to die, you know, to digest what's happening in front of us. Uh, one last draft question, um, and then we can get into some of the bigger headlines here in the NFL. Just because I have you here, um, but when did like when did the reaching start? Because I saw a lot of people talking about number yeah. twelve with the Lions. They go and draft Gibbs from Alabama. He was a first round grade, but in the twenties they get him at number twelve. We saw the Patriots do what they usually do, which is trade back. Right? They were at fourteen. They said we don't really. They 
saw Lucas Van Nesco and they said, okay, I think we can trade back now. Um, the, the quality is changing a little bit. You talked about how there aren't, you know, there wasn't 30 guys who were first round grades per se in any other year. Um, so, so what was the biggest reach in this range for you? Um, and what team kind of got you where you're like, what is going on here? What is happening? And why are guys going 13, yeah. 14 that probably shouldn't or weren't on mark, mock drafts to go that high? So I'm pretty analytically inclined. And so I'm never going to say, oh, the Lions crushed it at 12. Remember something Stan Van Gundy said years ago about the Richard Lewis contract? Let's make, let's make this a hoops discussion. But he was like, the problem with modern sports, I like how you perked up for this, this Richard Lewis discussion. Oh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm all in. But, but uh, he's like, the problem with modern sports. So we look at everything through, was this a good move or a bad move in a vacuum? Was it a good move to sign Richard Lewis to a max deal? Well, probably not. <laughs> but did they get to the finals because he was exactly what they needed, which is six guy, six eleven guy on the wing who could do five different things on a team that already had a lot of mismatches? Yeah, it was great. So who overpaid? Not the team that made the finals and completed their piece with it. And I think about that all the time, the idea that like we're we're doing this in a vacuum. I really do believe our colleague Ben Lindbergh wrote a book called uh, uh, "The Only Rule Is It Has to Work." I really do believe that if Jameer Gibbs is going to unlock anything then i understand kind of why they did it even if it's a short-term thing even if you don't give them a second contract whatever if if we're going back to this but you know the rumor is there were only 15 to 17 first round grades on most boards what if the lions had less than that and they just said you know what this guy is our last first round grade let's just do it um that is when the reaching started but i i just i don't th- i think they could have played it differently I think they probably could have traded back 10 spots, but A, in a really weak draft, how many people were trying to trade up for, for big, for big uh, compensation? I don't know the answer to that. Maybe they weren't blown away. Um, but B, it, it's possible that their scouts just said, we don't have any other options. So um, to have two first-round picks, and again, I really like Jack Campbell as a prospect. He's a great athlete. Again, they probably could have gotten more value for him, but I just feel like we've gotten into this maybe grades culture where we have to look at everything through one prism. And I think that uh, team building is different than that. Would I have taken mm-hmm. Jameer Gibbs at 12? No, but Jameer Gibbs is a badass. He was the top transfer in the nation last year at that position. There's a reason Nick Saban wanted him. There's a reason that even before he got to Georgia Tech, he was a high-octane high recruit. Um, he's really good. I feel like the pendulum has swung on the running back position to the point that I think they are a little undervalued at this point. Um, I know teams like the Eagles are never going to spend big money on it, but I just think that if you sat there and your scout said, this is our guy, he's our only guy, there's a huge drop-off after this, and you don't take him, I don't know. I feel like you're maybe getting too cute by half. Yeah, and I think sometimes we overthink things when it comes to the draft, and I know you hear people say, well, you you don't need to draft for fit in the NFL draft. You take the best player, but sometimes a a fit decision might actually work out in the end, and as you said, if it works, you look like a genius. If you don't, you're an idiot, so that's the world we live in in the NFL draft. All right, I'm going to ask you one more NFL question. This is the big one. Lamar gets his new contract. Everyone's celebrating. He gets his guaranteed money. This is what he's been dreaming of. Do the Ravens actually forecast to be a Super Bowl favorite? Right now they're at plus 1,800. Do you think the Ravens have done enough? Have they put enough weapons around Lamar? Now they've got him the contract he wanted. Is he going to be happy now, and do we suspect that the Ravens could make a real run? Is that good value there, Kevin Clark, with the Ravens Good value. 
Good value. I think one of the things, Tate, that we do too often is we throw out contenders too early. Like we just mm-hmm. discard them a year early and we just say their windows closed, whatever. As long as the Ravens have Lamar Jackson, a decent line and a decent defense, they're going to be legitimate contenders in the AFC. I don't think they're the favorite, but I really do think that they have the capability to make a run. There are very, very, very few quarterbacks. I want to see less as a defender on third and nine with a minute to go than Lamar Jackson. He is a nightmare. Um, I remember reporting a story a couple of years ago where, where some of the tight ends and the linemen on, uh, on, on the Ravens were telling me that when, when Lamar Jackson really gets going, they'll see opposing linebackers look at the opposing bench and just their own bench and say, what am I supposed to do? Like, I, I, what, what's the coaching note? And they're like, I don't know. And, and that's Lamar Jackson. And you're talking about a guy who has been one of the most efficient passers in football because of the way he opens up the defense. He can throw the ball. He can run the ball as fast as any quarterback in football, as fast as any player in some cases. If you look at some of the GPS data, that's special. That isn't going away. Are there questions about health and finishing the season? Sure. But it only takes one run to win a Super Bowl. And at some point, I really do believe they're they're going to break through. Is it going to be this year? I don't know. But I, I don't think... You know, it, it, it's a different, it's a it's a lower tier version of the Mahomes Andy Reid thing, where until further notice, until I see them not as a contender when Lamar Jackson's on the field, uh, they're they're going to be in the mix every single year, and that's why I was disheartened that it took this long for the deal to get done, but I knew it would get done because this is this is the Ravens' only option, and it's frankly Lamar Lamar Jackson's best option to get generational wealth very quickly and then go from there. And it was cool to see everyone kind of celebrate Lamar, right? Because the Ravens PR did a great job of making Lamar look like, you know, he was making a mistake and things like that. But then when he finally got what he wanted, it was good for everybody. Definitely good for Lamar. Excited to see him this year. He is Kevin Clark. He has a great show, Slow News Day. Go check it out. Uh, Kevin Clark, we're going to be talking NFL uh, all throughout the offseason as we get ready for OTAs and all this sort of stuff. So I'm excited to keep it going. Um, Where can we find your work outside of Slow News Day? Or is it locked in on Slow News Day right now? Uh, the Ring Ref One Show returns with go. me on Wednesday, uh, and then Slow News Day, wherever you get your podcast. It's where I talk about football, college football. I don't know. Franz Wagner was on it in the fall. Probably talk. <laughs> we'll probably talk. We'll probably talk Miami hoops when they make the Final Four again next year. Yeah, you're going to come, come on, on One Shining Podcast very soon, and we're going to talk about Coach L and everything Miami and everything South Florida related because something's in the water down there. I don't know what's going on, but they run the sports world. So if you haven't kept up on uh, what's going on in South Florida, go take a look right now. All right, well, there you have it. He is the host of Slow News Day. His name is Kevin Clark. Kevin, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. This has always been fun, and we will have you back to talk all NFL as the offseason rolls on. All right, there you have it for another edition of Through the Ringer. Again, I am your host, Tate Frazier. Thank you to Kevin Clark for coming on the show, getting us up to speed on all things NFL Draft. We've had a good time, a great time. I've been back through the ringer again, literally, and uh, we will see you on Thursday. Talk to you then.